Welcome to Dying to Ask the Road to Paris, the Olympic podcast that promises to turn you into an Olympic athlete expert. See what I did there? All right. Today, my guest is Fiona O'Keefe. Fiona is the underdog of underdogs. She won the U.S. Olympic marathon trials in Orlando in early February. It was, if you can believe this, the first time she had raced a marathon, and she broke records virtually every step of the way. First woman to win the trials in a debut, a trials record by three minutes, averaging a 526 per mile pace. Okay, I put my treadmill on that just to see what it feels like. I almost killed myself. I'm not kidding. It is just indescribable how fast she is and how easy she makes it look. When I say no one saw her win coming, I mean really no one. There was nothing on paper that showed that she was going to do what she did. Not on anyone's athletes to watch list to make the team, but she did that day dominate the announcer's conversation with Sacramento Mentions, which is where she's from. Now, the morning of the trials, I did not get to watch it live. I was actually at a water polo tournament in Southern California with my kid, so I didn't get to be in front of a TV. But a friend of mine from the Sacramento Running Association was texting me updates basically the entire time. Scott Abbott is the executive director of SRA. I'm on the board, by the way. And earlier that week, Scott had predicted that Fiona would have the best race of any of our local runners that we were tracking. So he starts texting me from the course and I just could not even believe what I was reading. So I had a text play-by-play of how this race went down. So here's what Scott texted when she got to mile 20, which is right after she pulled away. So Scott texts, she is dominating this thing. The NBC broadcast is giving Sacramento a lot of love right now. Debut marathon, putting away the strongest field of American women ever assembled. Okay, so that's one thing for a running expert to say, this is unbelievable, never saw it coming. But usually your mom thinks you can do anything, right? So before we get to my conversation with Fiona, I want to play a conversation with Fiona's mom, Leave O'Keefe. And mileage was, it was right around mile 20 when Leave and Fiona's dad realized something magical is happening. It was definitely once we got into the 20s, uh, you know, and we like, I think we were slow to fully absorb it because it was so, it's such an amazing thing that we, you know, didn't expect. I mean, we thought it was a long shot that she could make the team, but then the way it all unfolded was more than we could have dreamed for. Yeah. She wasn't on anyone's list as like our top three. And I mean that in like right. The, right. the nicest way. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah. My husband and I talked about like concentric circles of of great outcomes. One was like, hey, she made she got to the race. She's able to race today and she's going to finish. Like that's one great outcome. The other was like top 20 would be amazing. Top 10 would be amazing. Top five would be incredible. And maybe the long shot is maybe, maybe she makes the team. So or yeah. she smashes records that have stood for years, <laughs> clocks the fastest time ever yeah. in a U.S. Olympic trials for a woman yeah. and makes history then that could happen, yeah. And it did. It's like one of the best days ever that you can imagine (laughs) as a family. (laughs) So so your summer has changed. (laughs) Yeah. What do you even start doing now at this point in terms of like plans and and supporting her? Like, what does this look like? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it is just all about supporting Fiona Mm -hmm. and, you know, doing everything we can as parents to, you know, help her feel like she still has a normal life mm-hmm. and and that she can just um, be comfortable day to day and be as healthy as possible and like 
make it to Paris, you know, feeling good and, and um, supported. So yeah. um, we're a very close family, so you know, we're, we're all texting each other every day. And um, Fiona's really close with her younger sister, Olivia, too. So I think just trying to keep the overall, you know, even if from a distance, atmosphere positive and supportive and, and casual at the same time. You just yeah. keep mothering. Yeah, <laughs> you definitely keep mothering. It's just yeah. Olympic And then try not now. to over-mother. <laughs> Good luck with yeah. that. So who is Fiona O'Keefe? That, by the way, was one of the top search things on Google right after she won the trials. <laughs> Fiona is only 25 years old, which is still pretty young for a racing marathon. She grew up in the Sacramento area. She dominated the mile in the 800 as a middle school runner, ran for Davis High School, and then went on to run for Stanford, where she became a six-time All-American and earned a degree in Earth Systems. Like a lot of kids, she dreamed about the Olympics when she was little, but she always thought it would be on the track. Not so much. She turned pro after college, and she currently runs for Puma. My partner, Mike Dami Damalong, and I met up with Fiona just a few days after the trials at a park along the American River Parkway in Sacramento. If you're not from the area, it's a 32-mile bike trail where a lot of runners love to train because you don't have to deal with cars. We were basically her first big TV profile because, of course, nobody had really expected her to win. So all of the interviewing, everything was very new to her. And the, there's so much charm to the interview, it's hard to even explain because she had never done anything like that before. You know, kind of like winning a trials. <laughs> Thing is, a lot of people know who she is now. And while Dami and I can't wait to follow her in Paris, a lot of other people will be chasing her as well. So going under the radar, not going to be an option, Fiona, from here on out. On this Dying to Ask, the strategic advantage underdogs have in big races. What happened on Instagram that let Fiona know her world is forever changed. How she's managing all of the attention. What she learned on the fly during the trials. She literally saw other athletes do things and then she tried them. Not kidding. How some of the big names who didn't have their best day at the trials have reacted to her big win. And what will she be doing in the next few months before she heads to France? As a runner, I couldn't enjoy this interview more. Here is Fiona O'Keefe, our inaugural athlete profile on Dying to Ask, The Road to Paris. Olympians. They're just different. Sure, they're fitter and faster, but they're mentally different too. Because when the body breaks down, the Olympic mindset takes over. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick, and I've traveled to 10 Olympics for Hearst Television with my partner, Mike Domalog. But Tommy and I were home for the last two games because of the pandemic. But this summer, the Olympics are back in all their glory, and we're going to Paris. Fans of the stands, the full athlete experience, and it's Paris. Join us for the backstories of how Team USA gets to the top of a podium and how you can add a little Olympic edge in your life. Well, thanks for coming out and meeting us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. So we have a mutual friend, and he said I had to wait 24 hours to give her a little bit of a breather <laughs> to, to pass along yeah. your number, but I appreciate yeah, you yeah, turning yeah, the call. Yeah, I appreciate that, yeah. Are you, um, are you starting to kind of settle down, relax a little bit? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It feels like starting to normalize it. I mean, in your wildest, wildest dreams, mm -hmm. and we all have wild dreams, mm -hmm. Did was this on the radar? Not exactly. I feel like my... Um, my best case scenario was making this team. Um, I didn't really like visualize 
winning and setting a record at the trials. Setting a record and coming yeah. in front of mm -hmm. some of the best female marathoners that we've seen mm -hmm. in 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, that's kind of like, I think that's what makes your story so really delicious to a lot of people mm -hmm. is that it, it has kind of that feeling of a true underdog. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was really nice to be able to come in without too many outside expectations and even not exactly know what to expect myself and I just tried to give myself a chance and get the most out of myself on the day. Yeah, there were a lot of people who were like, how is it possible that you could not only win a marathon, but smash records having never done it before. Mm -hmm. Can you explain, for somebody who's not really yeah, familiar, sure. how did you do this? Um, I mean, we had like a really good training block leading up to it. So it's like 12 weeks of marathon specific training and that's like on top of whatever normal training I'd done before that. So I was doing like really quality long runs every weekend, um, including a couple of half marathon races um, in the buildup. So definitely went in prepared. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't like pull it out of thin air. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Had you actually run 26.2 at that point? I did once in practice. Um, yeah, yeah, just to get the distance done. I didn't run it like hard, <laughs> but they just wanted me to, my coaches wanted me to like have that confidence that like, okay, I, I know I can at least complete the distance. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, to be fair, Molly Seidel four years earlier mm -hmm. had done something similar, not maybe right. to the same right. numbers sure. that you mm -hmm. did and same metrics, mm -hmm. but it had happened before. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that made me feel like it was a little bit less crazy to do that <laughs> <laughs> um, because it was like, okay, Molly, Molly did this before kind of coming from a somewhat similar background. Um, and just saying that, you know, it is possible to come in with a half and um, maybe for her it was similar to like the lack of expectation coming in. Yeah, nice. I but, mean, it takes a little mm -hmm. pressure off because a lot mm -hmm. of like the big names that had been um, mentioned as mm -hmm. potential contenders, mm -hmm. they were pretty busy in the days leading up. They have a lot right. of obligations, they right. got sponsor obligations, yeah. they've got press conferences. Mm -hmm. You didn't really have to do a lot of that, right? No, not a whole lot. Yeah, I was definitely kind of flying under the radar, which was <laughs> nice. <laughs> so what did you do the day before? Um, the day before was pretty busy. Like you have to do little things like drop off your personal hydration bottles, uh -huh. um, make sure like all your meals are what you need um, for the day before the race, um, get your uniform ready. There's like a technical meeting about just the logistics of race day morning. Um, I got in like a little shakeout run. So by the time all that's said and done, there's actually not a whole lot of time to just chill out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, it, ironically, that's what people tell you to mm -hmm. do is to really right. kind of relax, right. get yeah. your head right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So race morning, did you wake up and feel good? Um, yeah, yeah, I was I was excited to like just get out there and get it done. I feel like I was more nervous the days leading up to it. Mm -hmm. I was pretty calm actually the morning of the race and I had a teammate out there too, so we were able to like talk during the warm up and stuff and just kind of keep each other like in a good headspace. Stay a little chill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the race starts, you take off and like really from the get go, like you're in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I knew like I wanted to put myself in a good position and um, I did believe that I had a good chance at making the team. Um, so I, I wanted to run that way. Um, but yeah, I was definitely trying to like stay 
hang back a little bit and kind of watch the leaders um, the first lap of the course. At least. Yeah. When you're running with with that group of girls, you're mm -hmm. running like knowing like, oh my gosh, they know so much. Right. Is yeah. that? Do you, do you, are you learning along the way too then? I was, yeah. Like I was, I was kind of watching the way that they navigated some of the um, like bottle stops and um, it was a warm day. So um, I was watching when people would like pour water on themselves and I was doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, they know what they're doing. I'm not sure I do. Um, so yeah, yeah, definitely nice to run with the more Picking up some tips people. along yep, the way. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. When um, when do you start feeling in that race then, like, I think I'm really, like, things are clicking? Um, I guess, so we went out at a pretty honest pace, but then it slowed down. Um, what do you mean few, honest pace? What does that um, mean? I think we were running, like, around 520 pace okay. um, for the first, like, six to eight miles. Um, but then it slowed down a little bit, and I, I was feeling like, this feels too slow, like this feels too easy. Um, so I guess that's when I knew like, we were a ways into the race and I'm like, okay, I'm still feeling like really good. Um, I think I can I can pick it up and, and push from a long ways out. And so what number is that? Like what mile do you think? Um, probably between like mile like 11 to 15, somewhere okay. in there. There's still a lot of race yeah. left yeah, though. Right, right, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, there's still like a long ways to go, but I was feeling like I could keep going for a long ways. <laughs> so you yeah. get to about mile 18, 19, and that's where it looked like to mm -hmm. those of us screaming at the mm -hmm. TV watching mm -hmm. you that you were like, let's go. Yeah, yeah, because um, I was trying to wait until the last lap of the course, which was, yeah, around 18 miles, um, but I was, I was feeling really good and I knew that there were still a lot of women around, um, so I kind of, wanted to make it honest and, and see what happened, <laughs> yeah. And so you go, mm -hmm. and there isn't like a huge following. <laughs> right. Were you aware of that? I was, and it was like a little bit startling uh, <laughs> because I was expecting, <laughs> I was expecting to lead, but then have other people right there with me or, or taking the lead from me. But I think maybe because other people knew that it was my first marathon. Maybe they thought that I didn't know what I was doing or um, that I couldn't hold that pace. <laughs> so or maybe I'm, they just couldn't go with you. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure exactly. <laughs> Might have been a little bit of all <laughs> <Maybe>. of those. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but once you go, you got to commit. Mm -hmm. And so you right. committed. Mm -hmm. um, for most of us, like mortal marathoners, <laughs> you get to a point right around 19, 20, where mm -hmm. like it really, really mm -hmm. hurts. Mm -hmm. And that's where like the mind games and stuff yeah, start. Sure. Did you hit that kind of like proverbial wall that um, most people do? I guess I wouldn't say it was too much of a wall. It was more just like gradually turning up the heat like it, it just gr progressively got harder um maybe with like a mile to go um there was a bit of a wall because <laughs> uh, i think i got like a little bit excited with two to go um and realized like oh i like i think i i think i'm gonna make the team like da -da -da. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then like maybe went a little bit early because two miles at the end of a marathon doesn't sound very far, but it is still two miles of running. It's still, yeah. that's for you, it's well over 10 minutes. Right. That's, there's yeah. a lot of stuff yeah. that could happen yeah. in 10 yeah. minutes. Yeah, so the last mile was definitely tough. <laughs> and then the last couple of miles, everybody wants to be your coach, I'm imagining, mm -hmm. and is yelling at you mm -hmm. from the sidelines. Mm -hmm. What are the things that you're hearing from people? 
um, I guess I'm hearing like you're making the team like there's only this much left people are telling me how much of a gap I had back to Emily Sisson um, yeah yeah the crowd was like really loud and really supportive which was fun yeah. were you aware of the numbers at that point how how does somebody running that fast know time-wise all of it are you watching a watch or um, somebody yelling I, at you i looked at my watch some um not so much to see pace but just to see exactly how much i had left <laughs> fair enough <laughs> yeah i think like at that stage you're not thinking the most clearly either so it's like you get a little bit confused too. yeah yeah and then you see the tape mm -hmm. you see the finish mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was wild. I was, because you turn the corner and it's about 600 meters to go, which is still like a little bit of a ways. Um, so I was just trying to break it down like every 200 meters. And once it got down to 200 to go, I think I, I realized like, okay, this is going to happen. I'm, I'm going to win this race and I'm making the team. Um, and at, at that point, I kind of let myself like start to feel some of the emotions of it. And it was, yeah, pretty crazy. Overwhelming? <laughs> yeah, 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 overwhelming, but also just like so exciting and um, it just it's still kind of in a little bit of a state of disbelief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which of your people did you see first? Um, my parents came to watch, so I, I think I saw them first and then um, I saw my, my agent shortly after um, and my coach a little bit later. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I was following you on social media in the days leading mm -hmm. up to it. It's one of our locals mm -hmm. we were watching. I watched your Instagram follower count jump by like tenfold. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> what yeah. is this last, like, ten, what are these days since the, the, the trial's been like in terms of the, just the attention? Yeah, yeah, it's been way more attention <laughs> than I've ever gotten in my running career, which is funny. Um, I feel like there's a lot of excitement around the marathon and the Olympics, obviously. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's very flattering, um, but <laughs> definitely a bit of a new feeling to have that much attention. Yeah. All at once. Well, yeah. you have a little time to get yeah. used to it, which mm -hmm. is maybe nice. Right. Yeah. No, it's definitely nice that we have a few months to prepare leading up to the Olympics, and um, I'm sure it won't be this much <laughs> the whole time. Um, but yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be nice to have that adjustment period. Did you hear from a lot of people you hadn't heard from in a million years? Yes, yes. I heard from a lot of people from, from high school, um, even before. Um, but yeah, a lot of people from the Sacramento community, which oh, has yeah. been awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sacramento got yeah. a lot of love during yeah. that broadcast. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> it was nonstop yeah. Sacramento, yeah. which was super exciting for yeah. all of us. So mm -hmm. thanks for that. Mm -hmm. um, so was Olympics always on your radar as, as a goal? I guess it was always like a dream in the back of my mind. Um, and then like the last couple of years, I've definitely like wanted to make a US team at the world level um, since like starting to run professionally. But I'd say I was thinking more probably about making a track team um, mm -hmm. than a marathon team. Like I thought, oh, maybe. That would have been the traditional path. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe, oh, once I'm in my 30s, I'll run the marathon or yeah. something like that. But yeah. Um, my coach Amy said that, you know, the marathon chooses you, <laughs> and I think that's probably true to a degree. So um, kind of just went where my training guided me. And Yeah. yeah. It's one of, uh, Dami and I love marathon because mm -hmm. at the Olympics, it's the one ticket that anybody can get. Right. You don't have to go inside a mm -hmm. stadium. Mm -hmm. Your seat is as mm -hmm. good as you're willing to stand in line for mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. just wait. Yeah. And you get the excitement usually of somebody going by 
and then sometimes that's it. That's mm -hmm. all you get. But mm -hmm. it's one of the most exciting things because the yeah. whole crowd is right. kind of there. Yeah. What is it about marathon that you like? Because at your age, you're mm -hmm. still, as you point out, kind of young mm -hmm. to kind of grow into right. it. But what do you love about it? Um, I really love that you're just like out there running and racing for as long as it is. Um, like it's a whole experience. Um, and then I, I really like the, the mental challenge of it too. Um, so yeah. And how do you get through that challenge? Because that is for a lot of yeah. people with running period, whether it's around the block mm -hmm. or running a marathon, mm -hmm. you'll hear, it's so boring. <laughs> it's so, they don't like the mental part of yeah. it. Yeah, I definitely never find it boring. I find it difficult sometimes. Um, but I guess uh, I usually try to have some things that I know I can go back to telling myself, whether that's like mantras or just like breaking it down in my head from like one water station to the next. Um, so yeah, I definitely have a lot of a lot of little tricks um, that I yeah. use in practice too. Dina Castor is a big proponent mm -hmm. of that. We've mm -hmm. <clears throat> interviewed her a lot mm -hmm. over the years, mm -hmm. and she talks about just the idea of talking positively to yourself yeah. as yes. a mantra. Yeah, Do you do huge. that? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, just trying to stay present and positive during the race is huge. And yeah, I, I did, I read Dina's book too. And it's, Isn't it great? it's so cool, like just being inside of her head and yeah. hearing what she does. And I know, I thought it was so generous that she shared that. Like it sounds yeah, so simplistic, yeah, right, but in sports right. it's not right. for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like everyone's like internal monologue is probably like pretty different. So it's really interesting to get a view inside of someone else's So head what's head. the most exciting thing you're looking forward to in Paris? Gosh, I mean, I guess just competing at the Olympics is um, the most exciting part, but um, I'm super excited to be in that city and um, be around like everyone in the other events too. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. you get to be yeah. around everything from NBA players to <laughs> famous swimmers, right. like a whole bunch yeah. of different yeah. sports. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be really cool to be part of Team USA and like hopefully get that energy going <laughs> between different events. So, Can yeah. you believe you're an Olympian? No. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sitting here with Mike Domalog, Dami, and we just wrapped up our shoot with Fiona. I mean, wow. It's just kind of cool, isn't it? The, the whole underdog, all of it. Well, it's so cool to meet somebody who's never done any of this before. Any of it. Like, even, like, the interview and yeah. the, the B-roll and getting the video of them doing it. Like, it's <laughs> so much fun for us. Oh, we're first exposure. Now, everybody will... <laughs> I hope we made a good well, impression. everybody will pale in comparison to what we do. <laughs> <laughs> or they'll be that much more professional. Oh, yeah, or they use better lighting, but... <sighs> Yeah, but at least I got to chase her with my bike, which is great. And I won't, didn't fall on my head this time. Dami actually brought his GoPro camera and a bicycle uh, and put a helmet on, I noticed as well, um, <laughs> to go chase her, which was really fun. You have interviewed so many of these athletes at the very beginning of their career. I mean, usually they've had a few more wins under their belt than Fiona going to the Olympics. But for you, documenting their history, there's just like a real joy to it, isn't there? There is. They're real, really pure because there's... They have no expectations, no nothing, and they, they say hi to me, it's no big deal, and they say hi to me in the hallway as they leave, and I, I, I'm just a regular guy, and who knows, six months from now, they, will they even remember me? Well, they usually do, because I'm their first contact. So it's yeah. kind of nice, it's like Star Trek, first contact, hey? <laughs> <laughs> Beam me up. Um, there may be parts of that race, she's like, beam me up, Donnie, do what you can. 
But it is kind of nice just to think about, like, you know, her first, like, big involved interview. You hope that it's, like, positive because she has a lot of these to go. She's going to be a name. Oh, yeah. And you can tell her sense of innocence, which is kind of neat. It's actually really charming to see that somebody is kind of not, she's not overwhelmed. She's taking it in, but she's, she knows that something's coming, but she's handling it well. I can't wait to follow her. Yeah, it should be fun to watch her, and especially after the trial she had. It should be great. I think she's going to do just fine. Yep. All right. Not too bad for our inaugural athlete interview on Dying to Ask, The Road to Paris. Till next time. Um, we'll be seeing you. <laughs> I don't do this. <laughs> I think you do. Have an Olympic story idea? Do you know an Olympic athlete, a coach, maybe something Olympic-y you just need to get off your chest? You can tell me about it. Email me at dfitzpatrick at hearst.com. Hearst is spelled H-E-A-R-S-T. Or you can reach out to me on social media. On Facebook, you'll find me at KCRA Deirdre, D-E-I-R-D-R-E. Or you can find me on Instagram. Might be a little easier there. It's at run, read, sip. Thanks for listening. This is the Dying Dash Podcast, The Road to Paris.